I found this crystal wand. Yeah. I think it's selenite. Mm -hmm. Selenite. Something like that. And it's got these little tiny chips in it. I just ran my finger oh. across one and it, like when fingers on a chalkboard kind of feeling. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to figure that... out how to clean it. Can you sand it? Maybe. But I don't know how to smooth it. Um, invest in a rock tumbler? I think it's too big for that. Wet sand it. Like know. get it wet and then take uh, the sandpaper cloth to it. I was just looking through all of my crystals. Yeah. I did that last weekend. These are them. Yeah. Three of them are ones that we found in our backyard at our old house. Oh, There's a giant cute. rose quartz. There's a amethyst. And then there's this big, like, long quartz. It's about that long and that thick. It's like a rectangle. That you found in your backyard? Mm-hmm. That is Grace. I am Rachel. Thanks again for joining us. Yes. Hello. Welcome. Wow. Myths and misfortunes. And we do want to thank whoever um, binge, <laughs> binge listened to us on August 10th. Thank you so much for that. We yeah. super appreciate it. Yeah. I was like, oh, let me look at this. And then Rachel was like, oh, hey. <laughs> Somebody just listened to this. Someone just listened to, like, all of the episodes. All except for the first four. So, thanks for catching up. Because they're the worst ones. Uh, well, yeah. Really. I mean, they're literally the ones that we re-recorded. So. They're the ones that we recorded off of my laptop microphone. Because... My laptop didn't recognize that there were two microphones plugged in. Yeah. Today, we have a new mascot. Who's our mascot today? Our mascot today is Merlin, the ginger Merlin. cat. Aww. He is asleep on my bed. <laughs> That's I... good, because our normal mascot is currently outside hunting rabbits, so. Yeah. Arthur caught a blue-tailed uh, skink. Blue-tailed skink? Mm-hmm. Is that a bird? No, it's a, it's a lizard. Oh! It's, I'm sorry, it's just so unnormal for lizards to be here. Uh, no, I mean, we had some at my old house. We don't... I didn't think we had them very much here, except I turned and looked over, and I thought he was playing with a worm at first, and then I was like, is that mm -hmm. a blue worm? What? Set up and then worm. I realized it was a tail, and then I realized it's still moving. Apparently, in order to distract their predators, blue-tailed skinks will drop their tails, and 
they like they they keep on twitching. What? So that it distracts their predators and so they could run. That is actually crazy. Like I would want to see that in action in all honesty. It was very interesting and it definitely worked on Arthur cuz he's an idiot. So <laughs> He's an adorable idiot. But yes, Merlin is our mascot today. He um he's the scaredy cat one. But today he's cuddly and cute. Oh, I started, good. Started letting them in. So. Yeah, I know. That's it's not bad. Where are we today, Rachel? Today, today, which is actually two weeks from today, but today <laughs> <laughs> we are in Puerto Rico. Pre- 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 are you going to the... try it? <laughs> no. I tried. It didn't work. We're in Puerto Rico. So, my sources are studycountry.com, wikipedia, and britannica.com. So, there's a lot of history, and, um, I just tried to make it as brief as possible because... A real in-depth history would easily take, like, two to three hours. Well, that's the way that most places are, so, yeah. Yeah. So, Puerto Rico is a group of islands situated in the northeast region of the Caribbean Sea. The capital is San Juan, which is also the most populated city. Also, we went there on our cruise last year. Ugh. Beautiful. Lucky. Look, there were so many lizards, I loved it. Puerto Rico has a population of 3.4 million people. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I I figured there were a lot. I just didn't think it was that many. 3.4 million. It's insane to me. So, the citizens often call the island Borican. Borican? Um, From the town name Birokin. Look. I'm not judging. Um, I'm sure there are some names I'm not going to say correctly in this anyway, so. Yes, and please someone correct us. Please someone correct me with these pronunciations. Um, Oftentimes when we mispronounce things, it is not for lack of trying because I genuinely try to look up every single name that I find that I feel like I can't pronounce. Sometimes I just physically can't do it or... I'm just really bad at it. Yeah, because I wrote out how two of those were supposed to be pronounced. Yeah. Yeah. But that name means Lands of the Valiant Lord. And I love that. Like, I'm not super religious, but that just kind of fits for Puerto Rico. The island was first settled by the Oratorioed people between 3000 and 2000 B.C., And between 430 BC and 1080, other tribes such as the Arwak and the Saladoid inhabited the island. By 1080, how did I pronounce this before? Tawin? Tawin? Culture began to grow. So this is when Christopher Columbus arrived on the island. Then in 1943, Columbus landed for a second time on the island, 
naming it San Juan Bautista. I know I butchered that one. In honor of St. John the Baptist. So pretty much as always, the group came with a letter from King Ferdinand to take any action necessary in order to expand the Christian faith Mm. and Spanish empire. It wasn't until August of 1508 that the first settlement was developed. Then the Spanish began colonizing the island. They began forcing labor onto the natives, who also began to have high fatalities due to the sudden outbreaks of European diseases. Due to these fatalities, Spain began to bring in African slaves to the island in order to provide labor in the cities and coastal ports. Real quick bullet point, 18th century Puerto Rico was acknowledged as an abroad province of Spain. Then in the 19th century, Puerto Ricans began fighting for their independence. And in November of 1897, they were finally granted that independence. They then opened up trade with the European colonies and the United States. After the Treaty of Paris in 1898, Puerto Rico came under U.S. military control. This brought a lot of changes to the island. The island's currency was changed to the U.S. dollar, of course. But freedom of religion, assembly, press, and speech were decreed, as well as an eight-hour workday for people working in government. Public school was introduced and the U.S. Postal Service was brought to the island. Bridges were created and built over important rivers, and the highway system was enlarged. Even a centralized public health service was established for the locals. Woo, public health. The addition of the military government led to new political groups that were in support of annexation by the U.S. as a resolve to the colonial situation. This was short-lived, though, and dissolved in April of 1990. Borker Act, which was created on April 2, 1990, formed a civil government with free trade between the U.S. and the island. It led to a judicial system and Supreme Court of Puerto Rico. The Department of Education was also created at this time, and the teaching was done in English, with Spanish being covered as a special language. This act also included constructing modern economic infrastructure such as telegraphs and telephones, electric power systems, ports, roads, hospitals, and agricultural programs. I feel like that should have been the other way around. I feel like the main language of the people should have been... Well... It also shouldn't have been Spanish, because Spanish was not the first language that was spoken there. Shit, what was it? Not Spanish, because remember, uh, Christopher Columbus came over and the King of Spain. Damn. Yeah, it wasn't Spanish. It was whatever the native language was at the time. All right, I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Then, of course, comes World War Two. But after World War II, on November 2nd, 1948, an act was passed by the U.S. Congress which allowed Puerto Ricans to elect their own governor. Then on July 4th, 1950, the Public Act 600 was passed that allowed the locals to draft their own constitution. This also changed the island's name to the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. In February of 1952, the constitution was approved. That same year also marked the first time that the Puerto Rican flag could be displayed in public after it had been criminalized in 1948. Several elections have been held in Puerto Rico in order to determine the political status of the island, and up until 2012, the status quo did not change. But with the 2012 election, 
Most locals were voting to become their own nation. However, this was controversial since apparently the opponent attempted to convince the locals not to vote. Mm. There were arguments that in turn this vote was invalid. Currently, Puerto Rico is still trying to determine its political status. Even though its own constitution was approved, they remain an unintegrated organized region of the U.S. Puerto Rico is now a popular cruise destination, and it is beautiful. Uh, like, <laughs> like I said, our cruise last year, um, our favorite part was kind of walking the trail and seeing how the locals took care of all of the little wild cats there. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Sheridan just kept telling me, don't touch the cats, don't touch the cats. Then a cat comes up and just rubs against her leg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It what? was the best. What's he doing? Rubbing his face up against my table. Aw, he loves you. There are tons of beaches, historical places you can visit, forest, cruise, etc. I mean, you name it, it's there. And the shopping and food, amazing. And that is Puerto Rico. So Puerto the Rico. official language currently is... Spanish. Mm-hmm. Another official language is English. The um, original language um, spoken, it's Taino? I, I'm not sure if that's yeah, how you pronounce T-A-I-O-N. it. Yeah, T-A-I-O-N. T-I-A-N-O. Oh, well. T-A-I-O-N was the people. <laughs> yeah, but the language was declared extinct in the 19th century. Well, that's why. So. Spanish took over. So, but the Spanish dialect of Puerto Ricans, elements of that language still exist. So, yeah. that's cool. So, what is your story about today? So, <laughs> my story's a little bit different for me. Yeah, you wouldn't tell me what you were doing. <laughs> so, uh, this is going to be like a... F- you know how you do like multiple stories in one episode? Mm-hmm. It's going to be like a... F- uh, like a five-story episode. That's funny. Kind My of? story is two stories and one two. <laughs> so, my sources. Get ready. Are leditor.net, repeatingislands.com, uh, lgbtqnation.com, newyorktimes.com, cnn.com, blatina.com, them.us, uh, nbcnews.com, WashingtonBlade.com, HRC.org. HRC.org. Yes. The reason why I did so many uh, stories in this episode is because they're not all full-fledged stories. Um, Okay. I mean, they are all about separate people, but they all have an intertwining theme, which is the not-so-great way that LGBTQ plus people have been treated in Puerto Rico and how it started coming to light in the 80s, but it's still such a huge problem. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm not going to say this names th- this guy's name correctly. It's like Angel Maldonado. On hell? Maybe... Okay. Uh, I couldn't find a lot on this, actually, which you'll understand later, because it's the same with every single story I have. It's absolutely mind-boggling. He was the youngest of six siblings, raised by a single mother in poverty, got a job really young, he went out unsupervised, and he would often go to the Condado tourist area. He frequented 
a hotel notorious for hiring young people for sexual favors, and over time he regularly turned to sex work. He established a relationship with his clients, mainly men, although he considered himself to be heterosexual, and often maintained relationships with women his age. He was apparently really ambitious and was uh, attracted to wealth and fame. He used his looks and sympathy to get wealthy clients, which uh, attracted a doctor whose name is not mentioned in anything I could find. Cover up? No, it... (laughs) So, in return for sexual favors, the doctor would buy him clothes, trips to the movies, and give him money. The relationship furthered to the point that he actually moved into the doctor's penthouse. They were apparently so comfortable with each other that they shared everything in the apartment. Okay. The relationship lasted until April 21st, 1985, when Maldonado murdered the doctor. He tied him up, threw him in the bathtub filled with salt water, and with explicit photos of young sex workers. Afterwards, he went and told his friends all about it, and apparently none of them thought this was odd. So wait, photos of young sex workers that the doctor Don't know. Don't know. It's not explained, I'm telling you. Everything that I've written down here is everything there is. Okay. I literally found maybe three things, and this is all of the information I can get. Eleven days later, on May 2nd, 1985, he killed his second unnamed victim, a client from Old San Juan, and again he told his friends about it. And his friends still don't think this is weird? No. Apparently not. He just goes around killing people for fun. I mean, why not? Maldonado continues working as a sex worker, and on May 29th, 1985, he killed his third victim, a public figure whose name was also not mentioned. All three of these victims were tortured before their death, which... Rude. Their deaths, which created panic among the gay community, naturally. Naturally, yeah. More and more and more victims showed up, and they all... uh, They were all attributed to the same then-unknown person, who the media, coincidentally, started calling the Angel of the Singles or the Angel of the Bachelors. Oh, okay. Angel of the Bachelors, you've got this. Especially considering that's his first name. Literally, yeah. He had been, basically, he'd just been meeting gay men at bars and then taking them back to places and then murdering them. Yeah. Once it was being covered in the media... Like, once he murdered someone, I think this part I forgot to write down, but I think he murdered a journalist. Mm-hmm. And that is what finally got the police to actually pay attention. Why a journalist and not a doctor or a politician? I don't... Or maybe it was the politician. I don't... know. It was... I, th- I think it was a journalist. I can't remember. But it was somebody who was, like, really well-known within, like, just the LGBT plus community, but, like... In general, in the area. Okay. Once it was being covered in the media, Maldonado fled to California and continued working as a sex worker. He ended up killing another client of his, this time a film producer. Mm -hmm. And I think they figured out kind of who he was um, because calls were recorded from his home in California to his mother in Puerto Rico around this time. So I guess they had sort of figured out who he was and there was like investigation that way. Once again running from the police, he made his way to New York. He started working at a gay nightclub in Manhattan. I don't know how, but somehow 
he was arrested in June, uh, on June 23rd, 1986, and was extradited to Puerto Rico on July 7th, 1986. He confessed to the death of seven people and an assassination attempt. He was found- And an assassination attempt? And an assassination attempt. On who? I don't know. These details I'm telling you, like, there was nothing. It was so difficult. He was found guilty, obviously, and then he was 19 at the time, which is insane. Um, yeah. But he was sentenced to a total of 234 years in prison. Maldonado said that he was being guided by the Bible, and one of the only pictures made public shows him handcuffed, smiling as he heads into prison, Bible in hand. I think something I read said that he may have murdered up to 27 people. That's one thing I hate is when people are killing in marginalized communities and don't get caught. Well, yeah, marginalized communities in the name of God. Right. Like. (laughs) That makes it sound like we want them to start killing other groups of people because of God. (laughs) We don't want them killing anyone for any reason, but especially not because, you know, they think God told them to. Oh, okay. That is that one. And that's the case in the 80s that sort of brought murders like this and issues like that further into the spotlight. Mm -hmm. But obviously it's still continuing. So now we're moving to 2009. A 19-year-old college student named... Oof. Pretty it's Jorge. Probably. Um... Jorge Steven Lopez Mercado, who some sources said was a gay man, and in a few others said that they were gender nonconforming. He either way wore feminine clothing and was found in the central mountain town of Calle, decapitated, dismembered, and partially burned. Oof. Yeah, Lopez was really popular and was widely known as a volunteer for organizations advocating HIV prevention and gay rights. And activists in San Juan, New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, and other cities all around the United States held vigils, marches, and other events in the days following his Mercado's death. Mm-hmm. Juan Jose Martinez Matos confessed that he was cruising the red light district of Caguas, a city south of San Juan, looking for women, and picked up 19-year-old Mercado thinking Mercado was a woman. Matos allegedly... It was that thing... That excuse that where Mato said he flew into a rage when he discovered that Mercado did not, in fact, have female genitalia. Dude, there's other there's other ways. There's Which is a very common defense that uses it's that's used in situations like that. It's like, but still, you shouldn't fly into a rage about that. In this case, he said that this caused him to flash back to an incident when he was sexually assaulted in prison, and that that conflict. A conflict between the two happened, and that's what led to Mercado's death. Which, like, no. So, th- th- there's a fine line between... Between somebody forcing themselves on you, and then you entering into a consensual uh, 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 situation in which yeah. you are surprised to find that this person may not be what you're looking for. Yeah. If a penis doesn't do it for you, just say no thanks. I mean, so many women say no thanks. Like, I don't. It just, 
Ugh. It kills me and I can't put it into words that aren't fuck you, so. I mean, those are good words. Anyway, in addition to murder, Martinez Matos was charged with three weapons violations and one count of hiding evidence and was sentenced to 99 years in prison, which was good. Oh, good. Yeah. So, we're going to skip forward a bit. Okay. Because you'll see why. February of this year, Alexa Negron Luciano, a transgender woman experiencing housing instability, used the women's restroom in a McDonald's in Tuabaja. A complaint was filed against her in which the complainant claimed that Alexa used a mirror to spy on this other person under the bathroom stall. A picture surfaced. No. 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 A picture surfaced on social media of Alexa being interviewed by by police and she was never detained and no charges were filed against her at all. But Alexa was accused on social media of being a peeping Tom, which got around, which is something that's very common for transgender people and that's why there's such an issue like well, because with, people, like, bathrooms. And it just makes me... Mm. Uh, this... People need to realize that a true transgender person is going into the bathroom to literally go to the bathroom, wash their hands, fix their makeup. They're exactly. not going in there to spy if on someone. If a man, not a transgender woman, if a man wants to go yes. into an, a, ba- a bathroom to assault someone or peep on them they will go in there as themselves they have done it they continue to do it it it's not no they're not going anywhere dressed up as a woman so that they can peep on you that's not no when she was accused of being a peeping tom later like the next day a video was allegedly posted on social media in it you see alexa illuminated illuminated by the headlights of a car and then you hear male voices hurling insults and threatening to shoot her and laughing. Oh no. Why would they even do that? Just before you hear what sounds like ten shots ring out. And then police confirmed that day that they had found a body with multiple gunshot wounds in a grassland area near a main road in Tuabaja, which was later confirmed to be Alexa. And like a don't watch the video. I watched the video. I won't. It was her. Mm. So, uh, Pedro Serrano, a leading gay human rights activist in Puerto Rico, says that the fundamentalist leaders, politicians, and the religious sector have perpetuated and incited things like this to happen with what he says is hate speech and mm-hmm. could be considered a cr- should be considered a crime in and of itself, which is something I feel very strongly. It's obviously not just these leaders who perpetuate the idea that trans people are just men in women's clothing or vice versa. And especially in Puerto Rico, police and local media organizations do the same thing. And they were criticized rightly for misgendering Alexa in initial reports, saying that she was just, she was a describing her as a man dressed in a black skirt. No. Yeah. A woman dressed in a black skirt. Right. Skirt. So this case got a bit more coverage than most, partially because of social media, and also because Puerto Rican singer and rapper Bad Bunny, which I knew you would love this name, Bad Bunny, wore a shirt on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon a week or so later, honoring Alexa, and it read, 
they killed Alexa, not a man in a skirt, in Spanish. Yeah. Aww. Unfortunately, we don't know how the police department's investigation is going because they refuse to tell the public what they're doing, what they've learned, any evidence they might have. We literally could not find anything on the case past the like beginning of March. Nothing. So, pure speculation here is probably someone on the police force. No, I... Just because of how they're covering it up. They just... It's insane. I, they don't tell the public anything, which is crazy to me. I don't get... Mm. So, to be... F- um, to all I could not find... Not to, like, justify what they're saying, what the police is doing, but they don't do that here either. No, but in cases like this, they'd at least be like, this is what we're doing. They'd be vocal that they are taking action in some cases. I if they say, were not taking always. If they were taking action, they'd be yeah. vocal about taking action. Well, and it could be that they're not taking action. I don't think they are. should be. Yeah. Um, all I could find is that there were some teenage boys who were interviewed and let go. Nothing. So. Yeah. Nothing. Um, so I hope that she gets justice because, as far as I can tell, her family is not coming forward, and I hope so. I hope her and her friends get justice because that Me too. is awful. Um. Next. Okay. Is is there's more. I mean these are all bad, but is it worse than that? Yes and no. <sighs> okay, go on. You're just making me really depressed. I know. Yampi Mendez Orocho nineteen was killed March fifth in the town of all of this is this year, by the way, I wanna keep that in mind. Killed okay. March fifth in the town of Mocha, according to reports from local media. He had reportedly been attacked by a woman about five hours before the fatal shooting, and he was shot twice in the face and twice in the back. He was misgendered and dead named in some media reports. There's not a lot of information about what happened between this investigation and his death. Like, his mom called the police and was like, my son's been attacked, and then literally eight hours later, he was dead. That's horrible. Yeah. Local LGBTQ plus advocates called for authorities to thoroughly investigate it um, and to decide whether or not it should be prosecuted as a hate crime. Um, There's nothing new I could find a report on the case, but I wanted to include it because there was so little on it, like a lot of other similar cases. That, yeah. Another one that's literally two sentences. No, one sentence, my bad. Penelope Diaz Ramirez, a 31-year-old transgender woman, was killed at the Bayamon Correctional Complex in Puerto Rico on April 13th, but her death wasn't reported until April 27th. There are no details on her death that I could find. Nothing. Layla Pelez, Pelez and Serena Angelique Velasquez. Layla was 21 and Serena was 32. They were friends who both lived in New York City who had recently visited Puerto Rico on vacation. One source I found said that one of them had just moved to Puerto Rico. They were like the seventh and eighth known violent deaths against transgender or gender nonconforming people in the U.S. this year. The women's bodies were found after a 911 call reported a burned car on a road just before 5 a.m. on April 23rd. Luz Melendez, Layla's cousin, said that their grandmother recognized the granddaughter's badly burned car on the news and called the police. 
which is a very awful way to find out that a loved one is dead. Yeah. Uh, It was determined that the two had been shot before the car was set on fire. The two suspects, Juan Carlos Bonilla, 21, and Jose Diaz de Leon, 19, have been arrested. The two men uh, were tracked down through fingerprint evidence found at the scene and cell phone tracing. Captain Teddy Morales of the Criminal Investigation Corps of Humacao said that the motive was revenge of some sort and that the killings were being investigated as a hate crime. Uh, Good. Ten LGBTQ Puerto Ricans have been murdered over the last 15 months, with five of them uh, happening within a span of three months. The LGBTQ plus community in Puerto Rico is heavily criticizing the police for handling a lot of these cases and are asking for more transparency. Um, as of when this is recorded, according to the Human Rights Campaign, the total reported number of trans people murdered in the U.S. in 2020 is 26, which surpasses the total for last year, and it's only been seven and a half months. Yeah. So I'm going to put links in the description for this episode and on social media where um, you can learn more about trans rights and the work the LGBTQ plus activists are doing in Puerto Rico. So that's my stories. (laughs) Please, please send me those links so I can add them to the description. Yeah. Also, you can't tell, but I have literally been crying. Yeah. (laughs) During at least the last like three stories there. Yeah. It's pretty rough, and I was gonna do one on, like, a, um, some outlaw, but it was only, like, gonna be two pages, and I was like, that's not long enough, so found this, and I was like, okay, I guess this is what we're doing today. This, yeah, this is what we're doing, and it's a very serious issue because people seem to have a hard time, which is really stupid. They have a really hard time accepting people in their sexualities and their gender preferences like it's not that hard gender is not a black and white thing it's it can be very fluid and for some people it's not fluid and that's fine but like like me i am very not fluid (laughs) it's not like but but Uh. there are people who are completely fluid. There are people yeah. who are on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I, oof, I'm not gonna offend anyone. I'm not gonna say it. Um, so what's your story now that we've cried for today? Thank God I have wine. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> that was me during Marsha P. Johnson. I was like, yeah. I'm not, I can't do it. I don't wanna cry. I don't like, wanna cry. I don't wanna cry. So, like, Marsha P. Johnson, I guess because, I don't know, for me that felt, like, very not present. Mm. But all of these have been this year. But all of these are still so recent. Yeah. Like, I fully expect stuff to have been completely wrong in the past. Like, 50, 60 years ago, 20 years ago, things were, people were stupid. Right. It's but that it's the sort 21st of thing century. You, you want to be separated from it. You don't want to be like, that's not today. That's not people that I know. That's not the world that we live in now. And it's like, yeah. and it's not. Unfortunately, yeah. it is people we know. Yeah. So, okay, on to a lighter topic. Yes. This is um, why murder is first and then paranormal is second. Hi, like, I have, bags, 
look, I have bags under my eyes now from the tears welling up. <laughs> okay, so, um, my story is the chupacabra <gasps> and the vampire of mocha. Oh. So, my sources are cryptids.fandom.com, Britannica.com, BBC.com, Wikipedia, all that's interesting. My favorite source. My he says no, Grace. Where are you? My favorite source, Princeton.edu. Oh. TBSnews.net, metareligion.com, anomalyinfo.com, singular for tn.com newyorktimes.com mysteriousuniverse.org so he just came up here so he can meow at me so i'll put him up on the dresser so he can eat i bet you he'll start meowing in a couple seconds probably i don't hear him though he hasn't yet oh okay i don't hear him okay so as i said my story this week is the chupacabra which fun fact first got its name and was first seen in 1995 we are older than the chupacabra. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> we are older than the chupacabra because this was the very first scene in Puerto Rico, mind you. Because unfortunately, when I think chupacabra, I think of Mexico. The Texas. Yeah, I think Mexico, Texas, lower yeah. U.S. No, Puerto Rico is where this first started. But many articles I found actually connected this chupacabra to another monster known as the vampire of mocha which was seen 20 years beforehand based on the articles and the types of attacks i can kind of see where the two could be compared the vampire Mm -hmm. of mocha and the chupacabra say it's something like cicadas they come out every 10 years seven seven years whatever the chupacabra comes out every 20 years Okay, sure. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works, but okay. No. No, 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 it's not. He just hangs okay, out underground so... for a couple of years. It's cool. Oh, yeah. That's why he kills so many animals. He just takes them underground with him. The Vampire of Mocha was first seen in late February of 1975. Newspapers began reporting strange animal deaths in the small town. Fifteen cows, three goats, two geese, and a pig were found with puncture marks on their bodies. Upon performing autopsies, the animals appeared to have been missing every drop of blood in their bodies. That's just like those cows. What, the UFO ones? Uh, yeah, the ones at um, Skinwalker Ranch. Oh yeah, you're right. Despite these odd details, police claimed that the culprits of these attacks were dogs. <laughs> <laughs> were dogs. Meanwhile, the same newspapers that were reporting the strange deaths dubbed the beast El Vampiro de Mocha, which, literally, Vampire of Mocha. Yeah. By March 7th, the death toll had risen to over 30 animals, with the most recent being a cow with penetrating wounds on its skull and scratches around the wounds on its body. Oh, dang. The theory at the time was that this creature was an unknown supernatural bird. Unknown. <laughs> Supernatural bird. Okay. So this is this is based on one woman's report of a strange bird apparently pecking at her rooftop and then screaming in the most terrifying way possible as it just took off. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Then only five days later, a man named Louis Torres and his children saw what they described as what looked like the lights on a police cruiser spinning in the night sky on the outskirts of the city. Torres connected these strange lights with the vampire of Mocha due to the fact that it was flying over the field many of the animals had been killed in. I'm sorry, is this just the Skinwalker (laughs) Ranch in Puerto Rico? (laughs) Pretty much... So at this point, at this point, the theories went straight to this creature now being an alien, not a bird. Okay. By March fifteenth, the animal death count had raised to over ninety Damn. when a farmer lost thirty of his chickens to the creature. And you got to think, this is only in a about two week period that literally all these deaths have occurred. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. Like. You know how many chickens I have, and it took a fox months to go through 20. That, so so it's either got to be a pack of something, or it's got to be some rabid thing. But but rabid, rabid animals don't really do that. Nothing does that. Yes and no. There are creatures that can suck out all of the blood. Wait till the end. Okay, okay, okay. Around this time, Mr. Torres, the guy who saw those weird lights, um, killed just two humongous Puerto Rican boas that were over six feet long each. Never he claimed to have state snakes. No, never underestimate them. <laughs> also, no. <laughs> Torres claimed to have caught them as they were standing ready to attack a 600-pound heifer. The news immediately took this and ran with it, saying that there would be no more problems with the vampire and mysterious animal deaths. Okay. However, on March 18th, a man named Hector Vega found two of his goats completely drained of blood. They had puncture marks on the necks, and whatever got these two goats came back the following night, injured seven more, killed ten, and then ten more just completely disappeared. They were like, "Mm, bitch, you thought. (laughs) Right. This is when the Senate Agriculture Commission got involved. Did you seriously open my door by sitting? He said, wow, my butt can open things. Let me go close that. Is that, is that Tulip? Yeah, it's a Tulip. He's terrified of Tulip. <laughs> so nice little interruption there. Yeah. Just gonna start that sentence over. This is when the Senate Agriculture Commission actually got involved. They interviewed farmers and local law enforcement, which resulted in Senator Danis, hopefully, asking the police superintendent to redouble his efforts. He felt that this could not be the cause of just an ordinary animal. The attacks got even weirder on March 23rd. Felix Badillo found a 10-pound piglet dead in its pen with no signs of struggle. Even, I know, super sad. Even weirder, it was missing an ear and had a large hole on the side of its head. But no sign of a struggle. But no sign of a struggle. Even weirder, I mean, (laughs) it's all weird. The night before, his guard dog had not barked or growled. So... Logically, how the heck did this happen? Your your guard dog did not flip out when your 10-pound piglet is dying. Right. 
whatever. It was also noted that the cut on the piglet's other ear looked surgical in origin rather than animal. Two days later, a man named Juan Munez claimed to have been attacked by a creature covered in feathers while returning to Mocha. He claimed to have seen the creature and then threw some stones at it to try and scare it away. <laughs> Instead, it flew at him and he took cover under some bushes before running to a neighbor's house. A later search of the mysterious bird came up with nothing. By April, reports of the strange animal attacks started popping up all over the island. Police began to search for possible human perpetrators while press was trying to find rational explanations. Eight goats and a dozen rabbits were killed in Corzal on April 2nd. Jesus. Yeah. The farmer Isro Melgar got together a group of armed neighbors to pull an all-nighter to try and protect his rabbits. They spread poison on the ground outside of the pen and settled in until about 3 a.m. When nothing had happened, the group, you know, dispersed, went home, went to bed. That's not an all-nighter. Shh. It was close enough. However, after the group <laughs> after the group disbanded, more animals were killed. Melgar then began literal all-night stakeouts, and on April 5th, he and his companions were startled when a loud, deafening sound could be heard all around the countryside. At the same time this happened, a strange figure could be seen running through the trees and away from the open pasture. Upon investigation of said pasture, they found four more goats killed. Jeez. On May 13th, Amanda Corzal ran across a round-headed, hairy-tailed, and large-eyed creature who growled like a small dog. Around this time, the creature was spotted. Three roosters, a rabbit, and five goats were also killed in Mocha. Mm. So, like, two separate cities. Animals are dying. Yeah. I don't like that. While these animal killings were occurring, unidentified flying objects claims went up as well. In May, three unknown objects, two of which resembled stars, flew over the town of Fajario. Then on May 17th at 9.30 at night, many large glowing objects were seen performing strange air maneuvers over the skies of Rio Pedras and San Juan. Then on June 25th, 25 farm animals were found dead just outside of Isabella, drowned of... drowned. They were drowned in their own blood, Grace. <laughs> drained of their blood. Shortly after, 14 fighting roostos in Yuko were found in the same condition. See, I thought you As were some... serious for a second. So like <laughs> they were drowned in their own blood. Okay. <laughs> different monster okay. <laughs> as summer wore on this creature seemed to kind of fade out of existence and really no more animal deaths were reported after july of 1975 that could not be explained that's insane. fast forwarding i know right uh fast forwarding 19 years and a few months to march of 1995 eight sheep were found dead in their field they had three puncture wounds in the chest and were reportedly, yet again, drained of blood. When was this? March of 1995. Okay. Despite being just as odd as the original text from 1975, investigators yet again claimed that this had to be a wild animal, such as a fox or a coyote or Jupiter. some sort of canine. Yeah. In August of that year, Madeline Tolent Tolentino came forward with a description of the creature. 
She had seen the creature through the window of her home in Canovanos. She apparently was also not the only one who saw this creature. Oh. Around 30 citizens in the area also saw it. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Swooping down from the sky and leaping over trees was like the major form of how they saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Tolentino described the creature as having large black eyes, reptilian skin, and spines down its back. Reptilian Um, skin? Reptilian skin. The OG chupacabra, Mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. not the Americanized. Yeah. It apparently hopped like a kangaroo and smelled heavily like sulfur. On November 19th, 1995, farmers had awoken to dozens of turkeys, rabbits, goats, cats, dogs, horses, and cows dead with no explainable causes, only the markings that came to be signature with the weird creature. Yes. Then in the city of Caguas. I had the issue, I had the same issue. Caguas. That one. Caguas. Okay, so it is Caguas. I think. A homeowner caught sight of the creature. This one differing slightly from the one Tolentino saw. They described it as having huge red eyes and hairy arms. Really? It apparently broke into a child's bedroom through a window. What? Tore apart a stuffed teddy bear. No. Left a weird slime-like puddle and a single piece of rancid meat before disappearing. What the fuck? I don't know. <laughs> Shortly after the first few sightings, Silverio Perez coined the term chupacabra from the Spanish words chupar, meaning to suck, and cabra, meaning goat. Hmm. Through the rest of 1995, the chupacabra was Blamed for more than 1,000 animal deaths that resulted from blood loss. That's insane how you just have, like, that many... That many animal deaths that are unexplained. And that all have the same exact... Right. What? Right. During that time, several witnesses came through consistently describing the creature as... And this is slightly different. Monkey-like with no tail... Large red, sometimes glowing eyes. Okay. Gray skin, a long forked tongue, fangs, long spinal quills that could possibly double as wings. And many claimed that the creature was about four to five feet tall, hopped like a kangaroo, and left a sulfur smell, and three toed tracks. Okay. So, I mean, this is very specific. <laughs> yeah, that's like. It's weird. The attack seemed to continue until it started dying down around 2000. However, around 2004, it seemed that the creature shifted slightly north to Mexico and the U.S. In 2004, something began terrorizing and attacking livestock in Texas. There are multiple videos from in and around the area with these new types of chupacabra creatures just running around and even, you know, attacking animals. One farmer even shot the creature. Mm. However, this chupacabra, the one that we know, yeah. looks completely different. Yeah, I was this... going to say, that description, not at all. No, no. This one is described as a hairless dog creature with bat-like ears, saber tooth, with a long skinny tail, and, um, if specifically, 
the males have long bristled fur on their shoulders but it does have the exact same attack pattern as the one seen in puerto rico what i didn't know there's a canadian chupacabra i'm sorry what <laughs> there's a canadian chupacabra okay like there's really no description of it but there was a video and it looked really really fox-like like it looked like a little tiny fox it was so small hmm. But veterinarians up there compared the behavior of that chupacabra to hybrid dogs that are part wolf, part domestic dog. Oh. Because, here's why, the, and I didn't write this, the Canadian chupacabra was not afraid of people. Oh. It would come up to children, and your children were at risk. Your family pets were at risk. It would come up to your front porch. That's a creature with rabies. Yeah. Well, it's also, like or, they said, de- a hybrid yeah. dog. Yeah. This actually leads me into the possible explanations. The first chupacabra from Puerto Rico, investigators point to a movie called Species that released around that time, and many people coincidentally began seeing the creature. Oh, so they think it was just a hoax. Tolentino's description of it is actually spot on with how the creature named Sill looks in the movie. Oh. Um, big eyes, scalies, spikes. She even admitted to seeing the film shortly before seeing the creature. This leads Chupacabra investigators to discredit the initial description of it because it is far too likely that people reporting the sightings were just having a hard time separating fact from fiction. Mm-hmm. And that they believed the creature in the movie actually is existed. So, like, so the, but they have to have seen something. Do you think they just saw something and associated it with that thing? Because it was slightly well, similar or just made it up completely? It, I'm very partial. Because this chupacabra, I feel like there, there's, there's so much. It, there has to be something. But my next note says that there's no, there's never been any body of this creature found. Um, there's never been any bones found. And to survive on an island that small without finding any type of remains is very unlikely. True. But, like, what could So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very torn. For the original Puerto Rican Chupacabra, hmm. I want to say yes. It, it's a thing. It, it's an alien. <laughs> it's an alien. It just came down attacking the livestock. We know this. But like science says, there's no evidence. True. But I'm also not one to not believe in something if there's no evidence because I totally believe Nessie is a thing. <laughs> there's plenty of evidence. Oh, there's plenty of evidence. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to move on. Um, as for the U.S. and Mexico four-legged hairless dog chupacabra, mm. they are literally describing what it is in every description. More often than not, it is a wild dog, fox, coyote, or even a raccoon who has a parasite called Sarcoptis gabiae. Well, it, it's a parasite that causes intense itching and... Like you experienced with Cora, and like I experienced so similar, with Atlas. Similar to mange. Mange, yes. Yeah. 
It causes excessive itching, fur loss, scabs, discoloration, and thickening of the skin. Yeah. And it's theorized that because of the parasite, the animals are greatly weakened and have a hard time hunting. So, they go after the easy prey. The ones that are sitting nicely in a cage for them. And... Personally, I can say from experience, chickens are a lot easier to catch than wild rabbits. True. Or deer. But (laughs) it doesn't explain how all of their blood was missing. So, that brings me to my next sentence. Many people will say, well, what about the animals with puncture wounds that died and there was no blood? Well, animals attack all the time and don't eat. Atlas is the prime example of that. I can't tell you how many times he's killed something, left a hole in their chest, and it just, and just walked away. But then where did, like, did he drink the blood? Where did the blood go? (laughs) No. Let me finish. More often than not, the creature dies, no matter what I have done to try to save it, because the creature hemorrhages internally. Same thing happens to human if we don't get medical attention like immediately when an animal dies the heart and blood pressure stops the blood then seeps to the lowest part of the body and then congeals when a farmer who doesn't necessarily know that how this goes and if they perform an autopsy on the now dead for several hours animal when they expect blood to come spewing out and it doesn't suddenly a mysterious animal killed and sucked their livestock dry i feel like they would know by that. I mean, you said it was the 70s. I feel like they, they I feel like they would know. Not necessarily. Because I have seen especially on I've started watching Dr. Pole. Well, I don't and know what that is. It's like this really famous veterinarian. It's on Disney Plus. But he goes around to a lot of like horse farms and cattle farms and when he has to perform an autopsy all of these farmers are like, oh my god, I thought there was going to be more blood. And he's like, ah, no, see, it's all congealed here in the bottom. Like, body, the blood finds the lowest point, so nothing comes spewing out. That's fair, but you would at least find some blood. They said there was no blood. Congealed blood does not always look like blood. <laughs> it often looks like a weird muscular jelly type thing. Hi, Cora. Yeah, but it, I feel... To the untrained eye. Okay. Yeah. But the story lives on today because there is a strong anti-U.S. sentiment across Latin America, especially in Puerto Rico because... Yeah. (laughs) Understandable. Very understandable. So especially in Puerto Rico because many feel that the U.S. exploited, shortchanged, and ignored the island economically and in many other ways. This is according to a recent researcher named Benjamin Radford. He also states that many Puerto Ricans believe that there are top-secret U.S. scientific experiments taking place in the El Yunque? Yunque rainforest. In the rainforest near there. I believe it. At... Which would give us the... I don't know how I'm pointing that way. I have a chupacabra in the corner of my room. Apparently. Which would explain the original Puerto Rican chupacabra. What experiment? This, yes, yes. Oh, it would the explain UFOs the, and all of that shit. Yeah. Yes. All of this along with what Radford called the creature. 
He called the creature an internet monster. Internet monster. An internet monster. Okay. Because the monster was born in 1995. So it has been shared time and time again since 1995 on the internet because we are a heavily interneted era in time. Interneted, yes. Interneted, yes. Pretty much every no- everyone knows about it. I knew about it, even if it was the stupid Texas one, but mm. still, I knew about it. But I didn't know all the details. I didn't either. That's crazy. Right. I'm so glad I did the research on this. The creature appears in several different types of media. There are toys, t-shirts, card games like Magic the Gathering. Yeah, the the Pied yeah. Piper, the card yeah. game that I was telling you, they have Magic the Gathering Magic card. Gathering, that's awesome. The creature has also been in TV shows such as, stupidly, sorry, South Park, The X-Files, and Grimm. There have even been, been several... Have they ever been Supernatural? No. Huh. I think, they've, I think they've mentioned it, but they've not had a Chupacabra episode. They probably wouldn't know how to do, how to do no. that. No, 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 no. There have even been several movies where they search for the creature, and like I said, I believe in it, so I hope they find it. (laughs) But I wholeheartedly believe that the ones they see here are just dogs with mange. Probably. Especially, like, coyotes. Oh, yeah. Also, there is that one breed of dog who people say is a chupacabra dog. Oh. And it's 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 a furless dog. It has no fur. Oh, I want one. Peruvian hairless dog All is right. what it's called. So it looks like that. Oh yeah. Which is what many people think that the chupacabra is in Texas and Lower America. It honestly slightly matches the description for Puerto Rico just because of the gray, but but that's about it. But that's about it. That's about it, so. But that is the story of Le Chupacabra and Le Vampiro de Moca. That was good. I like that. I enjoyed the story so much. That was good. I I was so excited and, like, super, like, I was really anxious because I wanted to tell you, but also didn't want to tell you because I wanted you to be like, (gasps) Yeah, I like us being surprised about each other's stories. Yeah. Okay. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Myths and Misfortunes. Or Twitter at Myths Misfortune. Or you can search for us using our full name, Myths and Misfortunes. We do pop up. You can also send us an email to MythsandMisfortunes at gmail.com. Also, please visit our website, MythsandMisfortunes.com. Our theme music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. Please, 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 please. How many pleases was that? I don't know. I lost count. Please rate, review, subscribe. Send us psychic messages of thanks and appreciation. Send us good vibes, man. Send them good vibes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to manifest good vibes. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Yes, thank you, guys. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.